I did not fit anywhere in 1985 high school. Punks, metalheads, nerds, and geeks were way cooler than me. I was something else entirely. I was an all-in Christian youth group kid at the height of the satanic panic period, and I was a ravenous superfan of Christian music. Parental advisory stickers and backward masking fueled a desire in me to be in a kick-ass Christian rock band to fight satanic forces with music. <laughs> so cute. In 1986, I took the first shot in my self-made war from Southern California with a Christian rock band called Limited Time. Yeah, come on, you get it. For the next 25 years, I went on to build my own kind of ragtag Christian music world as a musician and a promoter. In 1989, I left California and moved to the weird wonderland of Portland, Oregon, where I started my first Christian rock club just before the Northwest music scene exploded. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Nirvana changed the musical landscape entirely, and new Christian bands and labels popped up to meet the demand for hard music replacements for what Christians would call worldly or secular music. My musical war against the darkness of the evil one was in full swing as I promoted hundreds and hundreds of Christian bands from acoustic rock to death metal at my festivals and music venues. Well, at least they told me they were Christians. <laughs> I even started my own Christian, I guess you would call it metal or grunge band called Sometime Sunday, and we signed to a new unknown label at the time called Tooth and Nail Records. Over the years, I created 18 Christian music festivals, four signed Christian bands that made eight Christian records and lots of Christian touring. I made six live Christian music venues. I had two AM radio shows, a record label, and a little tiny regional zine. I watched Christian rock evolve over three decades to become a normal part of the music world, even mistakenly labeled its own genre. In 2004, my two daughters and I moved back to my hometown of Ventura, California, a small beach town northwest of Los Angeles. I was offered a position as the new music director at one of the first indoor skate parks of its time called Skate Street USA. You can find that on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 video game. <laughs> the main floor was an insanely huge wooden BMX skate park and there was a partial second floor overlooking it that was used as a makeshift music venue for local bands there. The board at the time wanted to expand that, and thankfully, I got to be the one to do it. But just a couple of years in, and a major tragedy struck us all. That same friend of mine, the one that had hired me, died in a really terrible motorcycle wreck. He was riding home in a car that was blinded by the sun, pulled out and hit him. It was a huge blow to our organization and to our local community. He was very well respected in the extreme sports world, the church world, and a lot of local communities. In the wake of his passing, we were faced with continuing on or to stop altogether. And after seeking counsel, we decided to take time off then to restructure and continue on. As the new director, I had inherited a 25,000 square foot building to use. I kept a skate park element, but I'm embarrassed to say I know nothing about skateboarding or BMX, so I focused more on music. 
I built a ridiculously large all-age music venue. My my dream venue, really. Oh man, it was great. A themed out 7,500 square foot venue with flown mains, full lights, raised stage, the works. Bands loved it. I almost got a Foo Fighters secret show. Just missed it by a few days. I got AFI instead, but I really wanted that Foo Fighters show. In the rest of the building, I had put in a hair salon, a laundromat, a retail store, an apparel shop, a lounge, a coffee shop. Yeah, all those things. There was also a little 5,000 square foot skate park and a big rock climbing gym in the back. And I had this one small video game room. That little video game room became so popular that it unexpectedly became my focus for the next several years. By chance, I met some folks from the organization Triple X Church, Christianity's number one porn site. Look it up. They were doing a panel at a super weird conference thing in Portland, and after a night of closing several bars and some magical pizza out a window downtown on Burnside, I fell in love with them and what they were doing. I told them that I wanted to take their model and do something similar with video games. After a car chase, a gunfight, and a whole bunch of shouting, I'm just kidding, they said it was cool to use their model, so I created a video game organization with satellites in numerous states, four different countries, with three video game center locations here in California. We also produced two books in two languages with a ton of online video and podcast content. At the same time, from out of nowhere, I was invited to go to Russia, a place I never saw myself being. Not on my top 100 list for sure. My time there was absolutely eye-opening in so many different ways. And I kept getting invited back, so I kept going. And over the next 10 years, I would come to know the people and culture of different parts of Russia very well and call Siberia and Russia a second home. My travels and experiences with other cultures over the years provoked questions in my personal faith and a line of biblical study that would lead me to a shift in my personal religious beliefs and values. The sounds of the musical war I had so enthusiastically signed up for had faded to zero and the video game monitors went black. After 30 years in Christian missionary work and over a decade as the director of a Christian nonprofit organization, I left Christianity altogether. It's been quite a thing to lose everything I knew, everything I was about, my career, my community, quite a thing. It's now November 2020, and we are in the third wave of the coronavirus here in California. People have lost loved ones, jobs are gone, businesses are closing for good, anxiety is on high. Like so many, personally and professionally, I was also hit very hard. Still, online holiday shopping supposed to be off the charts. <laughs> I don't get that at all. I don't get it. I was looking at a career change and had spent over a year looking for a position at different places with varying degrees of rejection. During that time, a friend and I were working on a documentary TV series project about the Christian rock culture that we had both grown up in and been very involved in. Because of my days as a Christian promoter and musician, I have a great deal of relationships that run through the timeline and branches of Christian rock. 
With our project, we would have a chance to go back and explore the culture that so many of us can identify with, religious or not. Though I've had a change in my personal beliefs, I have nothing but love for my days as a Christian promoter and musician and all the people I got to meet, play with, and all the places I got to go. My experience in the Christian rock culture is filled with thousands of colorful characters, incredible stories, and interestingly complicated musical history. I've had such incredibly entertaining conversations with so many artists on such different journeys of life from all over the world that I wanted to capture that on camera and show it in a documentary series. I'm also bummed that a lot more people didn't hear some of the incredible music made because of the worse than Nickelback stigma attached to Christian music. We'll focus on that as well. When we started putting together the idea for the series, we quickly learned that we didn't have enough money to work out and produce full episodes of our idea in the way that they should be professionally. Instead, we were advised to make a sizzle or a trailer to show the concept and what the series would look like to pitch to a network or a production company, kind of like a demo tape, or it was just a rough demo. We scrounged every dollar we could and begged for help from friends. We used old footage, some new stuff, and set up quick interviews locally with some friends of mine to show the series concept. We even managed to get a two-time Emmy award-winning director of cinematography who shot a bunch of episodes of Anthony Bourdain, and he's joined us. He was a Petra fan, see? <laughs> it touches so many people. I traveled a lot at my previous job and had some footage from different cities and we used that to show the scope of the series and that it would cover far more than just the United States. I even threw some Russia in there. <laughs> Through a long learning curve and a mountain of frustrations, challenges, disappointments and editing problems, we started making some progress and produced a rough cut of a sizzle for the show concept. We have also written a synopsis and created a pitch deck. Next step to take was another pass at refining the trailer and to shop it. And then the virus hit. Understandably, our funding for the project stopped because of all the uncertainty. All video production around the U.S. halted and production companies shut down. At that point, I needed to find another way to pay the bills and to hopefully continue to work on the documentary series project and my podcast, Deconstruct, when I could. There were no jobs in sight as most people were being laid off or businesses were closed because of the virus. I found myself as well scrambling to make rent. Thankfully, I was offered a job in a warehouse about an hour from me, so I quickly took it. It was all we had to get us through the virus. Not a great time. The only car I have didn't like the commute so much. Codes lit up my dashboard with engine trouble and I cracked one wheel and I broke another one on some rough road on the way to work. Have you ever broken a wheel? Broken it. At the same time, I was told I needed knee surgery and had a limited window to have the surgery done. That window fell right on top of working this very physical warehouse job. Knee surgery now would be the worst timing in the world. After attempting to put it off several times, the clock had run out, so I went in. The surgery had complications, of course. Uh, some machine had to be found first and then brought in. <laughs> 
there was drilling through bone and reattaching this thing to that. What was supposed to be a minimally invasive surgery became what they called an uncommon procedure. And my being able to go back at the physical work I was doing would take six months. Seems my body is old. <laughs> Tell that to my brain. All signs have pointed me back to this documentary series project. While I've been in the process of recovery and therapy, I've been reworking this project and I'm finally seeing productions being picked back up with safety measures in place. Through the encouragement of a bunch of you, and thank you very much, I wanna to continue to work on seeing this thing happen. Okay, first, I can't sling 45 pound boxes around a warehouse like I'm 30 anymore, but I have a lot of experience that I know would be helpful and that I hope someone can use. I've built multiple businesses and a nonprofit organization from the ground up. I posted my resume on my website, mikeybridges.com, and I am happy to send my resume to anyone interested. You can email me directly at mikeybridges at gmail.com or on Facebook or other social media out there. Also, if anyone is needing any voiceover work for a project needing a voice like the one you are hearing now, I am your guy because it's me. The voice you're hearing right now, no effects, no fancy mic, 100% me. This is it. I've done a fair share of voice work and I love doing it. So if you're looking for this voice, I have it and I'm ready to use it. Secondly, for the documentary series, we are looking for connections, editors, owners of businesses for shooting locations, camera operators in the LA area. I'm very interested in shooting in LA and Orange County even now with COVID restrictions in place. There are a mountain of Christian music legends here from the early part of Christian rock on. I was also gifted flights, hotel, and car whenever I wanted to go to the Northwest, and I would take that opportunity to shoot interviews and edit in Portland and Seattle. Lastly, I've made a GoFundMe page if you'd like to help us move this project forward. All monies will go to producing two episodes of this series with three segments each. We'll have various guests from the entire timeline of Christian rock and from multiple genres. As we film these episodes, we will continue to shop this show to production companies with the hopes of getting it picked up by a streaming service like Netflix or Amazon. We chose GoFundMe because we wanted to keep it simple, very, very simple to start right now. Building a big fundraising campaign seems like a full or maybe part-time job by itself, time we just don't have. So we're gonna have to keep it really simple instead until we find help with that. Any extra financial help that comes in will be used to keep shooting. If enough people want to see it, we do have some behind the scenes interview stuff we shot a while ago for screen testing and we'll have more extras and extended interviews once we start shooting again. I completely understand that in the grand scheme of things, this is not anything at all essential. No problems are getting solved here. There are far more important matters of justice and human lives at stake in the world. This is simply a rest, a breather from the anxiety, I guess. A fun look back at a very interesting music subculture, one that's made an impact on more than just the music world.
as for this podcast, Deconstruct, I want to continue to interview more people that I worked with along my personal journey. I apologize for being gone for a bit. The job I was doing until my surgery took all of my time and I was unable to get to it during the virus. I hope you'll tell others about blood, sweat, and sin, and I hope you'll keep listening. Check out Blood, Sweat, and Sin, the history of Christian rock at MikeyBridges.com. Cheers from Southern California.